Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Hey, Hebrews 10, let's go. Hebrews 10, Hebrews 10, 39. We're gonna get into this. This is our foundational scripture for our series. I found my faith because in times of struggle, times of tests and trials, it's easy to kind of be caught up in the circumstances of life and allow life and the life of God to be sucked out of you. Your faith kind of, you struggle, you wrestle with it. How do I hold on to it? How do I build it? How do I operate it? And so it was important for us to take a moment, uh, actually a few weeks there, and look in the scripture in Hebrews 10 and 11 on some heroes of faith, on what they did to kind of help hold on to their faith and move life forward. Here's our foundational scripture, Hebrews 10, 39. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. I like how this is worded right here. If you shrink back, you get destroyed. We think pulling back is the answer. Hey, listen, it's all in or nothing. We go all in. And, and, our, and our road to victory, our path to victory is by going forward every day, not going backward or just trying to hold our ground. We're not people that hold our ground or shrink back, but we move forward and preserve our soul. And so the writer of Hebrews is writing to first century Christians, and he's, he's uh, addressing the challenging time that they find themselves in. I mean, they're in a really difficult time. They're professing Jesus as God, which was contrary to the thought, and that life was based on a relationship, not a set of rules and regulations, and people were living by the law, and so they were being, uh, they were being persecuted, they were being prosecuted, they were being ex- executed, they were being electrocuted, not really, but it fit the flow, right? I mean, just like, you know, that, that pastor thing has to end the same. They, they, were, they, were, they were being ostracized. Their businesses were being boycotted and they were struggling because of their belief in Jesus. And so now all of a sudden the writer's trying to encourage them to not go back, hold on to what they believed. And so the recipients needed something to keep going in their faith. Don't give up. Don't go back. And um, he starts writing then in Hebrews 11. He writes a, a beautiful uh, chapter here. Um, we call it, I call it the Hall of Fame of Faith. That's what I know it to be. He pulls out some ancient heroes of uh, their past, and they all would know these people because they've all studied as good Jewish uh, kids growing up and teenagers in school. They studied their lives, and so he pulls out some heroes to address some of the things that they're facing and walking through. He spent the last several weeks going through it, and today we're going to pick up another person listed here. And so if you would go ahead and look at Hebrews eleven twenty nine through 31 for me, 29 through 31. And so let me start reading there. It says, by faith, and the faith is the word that we are studying, and it is the word in the Greek that means persuaded. Faith means persuaded. So we would say fully persuaded. We'll get that in a minute. By fully being fully persuaded, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, they're being fully persuaded. The walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days, by faith, being fully persuaded, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had been given a friendly welcome to the spies. And yes, Rahab, the prostitute, is our hero of faith today. Now, that's kind of funny. I mean, it's not just because of what she does, but when you're looking at the heroes being studied, you're looking at Abraham, the father of faith. You're looking at, at Moses, the deliverer. You're looking at Noah, who we didn't study, and but we all know the story of Noah. And you have so many other uh, heroes thrown in here. And then you have... Rahab, the prostitute. It's interesting to me, the writer of Hebrews is writing this about 1,800 years after the events of her life, and she's still being labeled and called by Rahab, the prostitute. Can you imagine her? Come on, can you just, why can't it be Rahab, the spy protector? I mean, whatever, right? You know, why do you have to keep putting that in Rahab, the one that, you know, uh, hid the spies from, from Jericho? But it's, and, and I think really it's because the writer and God, and then the writer, 
It's trying to tell us how good our God is. You know, my wife and I on the trip as we were in Arizona, never been out there before, and I was just Googling things. What's by Arizona? What, I mean, what's around there? And discovered that the Grand Canyon is just three hours away or so, and we'd never been. That's a bucket list. Anybody ever been to the Grand Canyon? And it's just amazing, amazing. I never, I didn't even know what to expect. And when we're driving up to Grand Canyon National Park and the guy at the gate's looking at our ticket and he says, okay, take this road five miles up. You'll see a giant parking lot, just park there, follow the trail and you'll see it. I'm like, you'll see it? And he's like, yeah, you'll just see it. I'm like, you're gonna see it? Like, is there like, what? He goes, just go and you'll see it. And I'm like, okay, I'd never been. I mean, you know, and have a nice day, sir, or whatever. And probably talked to several people like me previously. And so we pull up there, we get out of the car, and sure enough, we're walking, we're walking through some trees, and it opened up, and it's just jaw dropping. It's just amazing. I didn't know anything like that could exist on the planet, to be honest with you. And there are no words. I think the whole two hours we were there, I just kept, I can't, my mom's like, I can't believe this. This is amazing. And probably wore it out with my wife and my daughter. But we stood, we took pictures. I'm not a picture guy. I can't tell you how many pictures and videos I took of the same canyon, right? That's a different angle right here. No, it's the same big canyon, honey. Come on, let's go, right? And all this kind of stuff. And it's just amazing. And I cannot believe there's this giant, giant canyon here. And I never knew that until I saw it. And I think so many times, if you'll give me the liberty here to tie that in, I think sometimes we don't realize how big a canyon we've allowed in our life between us and God because of circumstances. And, and then all of a sudden, our eyes maybe are open because we're facing a struggle or a trial. And all of a sudden, it's like, I can't believe, I can't even see the other side. I can't even see God in this. I, I, I don't know where he's at. I can't feel him. There's this huge gap between God and I, maybe that's how you feel about your faith. I mean, I know I need to have faith and I know I need to figure out how to walk this out, but I just there's this big gap between God and I. I don't, I don't think I could even see him. There's just this canyon between us. And the question this morning that I want to help answer is, well, how far will God go to bridge that gap? How far will God go to, to bridge that canyon that's been created. And sometimes the canyon has been created by us, we'll say that, maybe circumstances, and sometimes we think even by God, but yet sometimes uh, what we are taught is we have to press into God, and there is some truth in that, but what will God do to bridge that gap? I think if we're really basing our life on the proper perspective of God, God is constantly pursuing us, and he's initiating relationship. He's the one pursuing us, pursuing the gap, through the gap, if you will. I just was come to a different idea, a different perspective, standing there looking at the Green Canyon and, and thinking about just gaps and canyons in life and what that might look like. And again, we're looking at faith. We're talking about maybe I, I can't feel the faith that I need to have or, I, or I'm not sure where my faith lies because we seem to think that where we're at in life has created this big gap. And when it comes to faith, where is God? My question again today is how far will God go? I think that it's important to answer that one because we find ourselves wondering, again, where is he at in these moments? And these first century Jews had to feel like, where's God in all this? I said yes to Jesus. I'm trying to live my life that way. And now all of a sudden, where are you, God? I didn't expect this to happen. And it seems like that you're nowhere to be found. When it comes to faith, where does the persuasion come from? Because the word faith in the Greek that's dominating the use or whatever, mostly used word in faith, is the word that means persuaded. Persuaded by whom? Because I can't persuade myself. I could never persuade myself enough to be saved. It's a divine persuasion. If I could persuade myself enough to be saved, then I, in a sense, could help with my saving, and that's impossible. My saving only can come by God through Jesus Christ. And so where does our persuasion come from? It comes from God. Therefore, we are divinely persuaded. And the writer's reminding all of us, especially with the use of Rahab the prostitute, that it doesn't matter where you are, who you are, what you've done, that God can divinely persuade you in life. 
And I just, no matter how big you feel the gap is, how far is God going to go? Persuasion doesn't come from you. It comes from God. So how far will this divine persuasion go? And some of us won't even entertain the concept of faith because we feel like we're too far from God. And so Rahab, the prostitute, steps in to answer the question. And, and, and again, up to this point, we talked about, you realize that who we do not talk about in Hebrews 11? Now, Rahab is the story surrounding or centered around Jericho. Do you know who it was that led the children of Israel across the Jordan River? Because Moses is now gone, and now Joshua leads the people. You don't see Joshua mentioned in Hebrews 11 when it talks about Jericho. You don't see Joshua's name there. Joshua is leading a victorious army, conquering a land, but he's not mentioned in our Hall of Fame of Faith. And God chooses to mention someone that everybody else would have overlooked or forgotten. It's interesting to me. So you don't even see Joshua mentioned, but Rahab is. And Joshua is not mentioned, but a prostitute is in Jericho. And the writer of Hebrews is writing to first century Jewish people that are going through some things and wondering where is God? God feels a million miles away. And so inserted in the list of all the ancient Jewish heroes is someone who's not even Jewish. She's a Canaanite woman. And she's a woman. She's got a couple strikes against her in that day. She wasn't even Jewish. She was a Canaanite. And then the way that, the, the, the way that back in that day, the culture was, they had no respect for women. And so she, she was a woman, a Canaanite woman. And all of a sudden, and then not to mention what she does for a living, and God singles her out. Interesting to me, the writer is trying to tell us something as God is. 1,800 years later, after, after 1,800 years later, she's still being mentioned as Rahab the prostitute. And I believe God wants us to see how far his divine persuasion will go. You feel like you're far from God today. You feel like you can't see or find God. He's a million miles away because of what you've done or who you are. The story is for you. How far do you feel from God today? How far does divine persuasion go? That's a great question. And many times we respond this way. We think like this, how far will God, we, we think it's like this, like, all right, God, I'm ready. Okay, I believe you now. I'm in. I'm all in. I'm ready. Let's go. You can use me. Okay, God, let's do it. And, and all of a sudden we think like God says, okay, that's what I've been waiting for. I've been waiting for that response. As if to say, we've been taught that once you get it all together, I've got you. Once you get it figured out, I'm there for you. I, I, this makes me laugh when I think about it. Have you ever asked, and I've done this, talk to people coming to church and like, no, no, not me, pastor. If I went there, the place would burn down. Have you ever someone said that? Really? Really? Okay. Are you the devil? I mean, you know, I know. I think God's bigger than that, right? As if to say that I can't clean myself up enough. I can't do enough right thing for God to move in my direction. And God's saying, that's totally wrong. But that's a prevailing thought. Once I get my act together, I'll, I'll, I'll join you guys. Once I, once I get it all together, then, then God, I'll, I'll connect with you. And God's not, he's not saying that at all. How far will God go? I mean, we, as if to say, like, it's dependent on how far we'll go. How far will God go? Culture has been created to create, to make, to make people feel like that they can be a million miles away from God they don't know how far God will go, but you do, because you know your story, right? You know exactly how far, however far it takes, how far it takes. 
How far will God go to persuade you? How far will he go? Rahab is clearly persuaded by God. God decides, I'll choose Rahab. God scans Jericho, and he decides, I'm going to choose Rahab. And God begins to persuade the prostitute, the Canaanite woman. Okay, she's persuaded. Now listen, she's persuaded living behind walls. Now understand, Jericho was the most formidable city of the day. Jericho had impenetrable walls. It was impressive. Enemies would be overwhelmed by looking at Jericho. It sat up on a hill, and it had the biggest, baddest walls of ancient history of that day. Nobody else had a fortified city like Jericho. It was unscalable. It was unpenetrable. And here is Rahab being persuaded, living behind walls. To her, it was a safe place. Jericho's walls were impenetrable, unscalable. It would be crazy for any enemy to think they could penetrate that or scale that. Hey, you got walls? I mean, we all got walls. But here's what I want to say. God scales walls. God breaks down walls. God breaks through walls. He goes around walls. He can go over walls, under walls. God can scale walls. Walls are nothing to God. Have you hidden behind walls that have been built? Have you hidden behind walls that you have built over years of pain and rejection and hurts? Have you been used and abused, real people, real pain, and built some walls? Listen, God does not condemn you if you've built walls to survive. I mean, here's what people say. Well, you just got to break those walls down between you and God and the God. Can I tell you, God will break those walls down. God's a wall breaker. He'll break them down. He'll scale them. But we're telling people that you just got to break those walls and you've built those walls up with God and hurts and pains and I get that and all kinds. You've been rejected. You've been hurt by people in church. You've been hurt and disappointed by God and all this kind of stuff. You just got to break those walls down between you and God. No, God will do that. You just got to be fully persuaded that who, he can do that and who he is. So let's not condemn people because they build walls or survive. My goodness, there are people in here watching that have built walls just to survive. It's the only way that you could make it. God doesn't condemn you for building walls to survive. We build walls and some people say that you have to tear them down so God can come in. But God can come through your walls. It doesn't matter how big, how high, how long, how wide. God can come through your walls. Hey, we've all got walls. And we can declare and we can believe in a God who goes through walls to meet us, to choose us. So Rahab, the prostitute, goes, if God can go through these walls, he can go through my walls. No matter who I am, what I've done. No matter not knowing that 1,800 years she would still carry the label of what she did. Rahab was persuaded behind impenetrable walls. How far does this persuasion go? She was persuaded while... Listen, and this might, not be, this might be a little uncomfortable for some. She was persuaded while still practicing prostitution. Come on, let's just be real. Now, that's not really true. I mean, she was just not really, I mean, she'd already, ch- who knows how long it had been from the time she heard, and we'll see that in just a second, about what God did. We just read it about drying up the, dead, the Red Sea so people can cross over, and then the enemy being consumed by the water, destroying the other two kings. Who knows when she heard that from the time that the enemy is at her gates, but chances are she was still doing her job. So as if to say, it doesn't matter where you are and what you're doing right now, God can be persuading you. I believe anybody in here and anybody watching online right now, God is working on persuading you right now in the midst of our sin, where we are and who we are. We don't have to clean ourselves up. God loves us just 
as we are. He may not love what we're doing, but he loves us and he'll work on that. How far does this persuasion go? Now, the truth is God loved you just the way you are. Evidently, while doing what she was, does, God was at work. Remember, it's, it's not this, it's not this. If you'll change, God's gonna love you. This Bible is called the good news, and can I tell you, that's not good news. The good news is you don't have to change right now, for God still loves you. If you'll love him, you'll change together. He'll change you together. But you don't have to change right now. God loves you just the way you are. If you look in the scripture, you'll find that Jesus is drawn to sinners. You want to know what God does? Look at what Jesus did. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus hung out with the prostitutes. He hung out with the sinners. That's why the religious crowd was always knocking them. He hung out with people just the way they were, loving on them. So Joshua's leading God's people. They already have some big wins. She mentions them. They got a lot of things working for them. The Red Sea parted. Two kings were already defeated. The word is out. And now God wants them to take down Jericho, the biggest, baddest enemy of the land. And so Joshua sends in spies. Rahab hides them. If you know the story, you can read in Joshua 2. To save time, I didn't go there. Rahab hides them and gets them out of the city. In the story, she takes the two spies up to the roof of her house. The Bible says that her house was built against the wall. And in other words, the back wall of her house was the wall surrounding Jericho. She takes the spies to the roof to hide them from the king's men. And she says this, you can see it in Joshua two, we've heard. The spies heard what? Knows the king's men's look, they're probably scared. Heard what? We've heard what your God did. We heard that he parted the Red Sea. We heard that you defeated two kings already. We heard what happened there. Did he really, I can't imagine, did he really part the Red Sea? Did he really do that? Yeah, he really did that. People walk through on dry land and here we are. Did he really give you those two kings? I'm like, they don't even exist now. Yeah, they don't even exist. Are we really next? Yeah, you're really next. <laughs> right? And she says, we heard. And then the hearts of the people melted like wax. We heard. And every man in here now is afraid of your God. And she said, and your God, he is God. And they served a lot of gods back in that day. But your God? He is God on heaven and in the earth. So this prostitute, a Canaanite woman living in a fortified city, maybe the greatest fortified city, says to these scared spies, I think your God is God. He's the only God, another translation says. She was fully persuaded. From what? From what she heard? You know, God works in all kinds of ways. He's working all the time to persuade you. My hope is that that man in 3A was even more persuaded about God's care and concern for himself, his wife, and his marriage because God put us together on a flight out of hundreds of thousands of people flying that day in and out of the Denver airport. God's fully persuading you and I if we'll just open our eyes, listen to what we're hearing, look at what we're seeing according to him. The prostitute is persuaded by rumors she hears on the street. God will use all kinds of things and you'd be shocked at what God will use to persuade you. And so she is so persuaded and she tells these spies, well, I'm with you guys. That's just gotta be funny to me. She's standing on top of the most fortified city in the world. There's a whole bunch of people that just kind of trying to become a nation right now, work together a little bit. They've never been that before. And they're out there somewhere in the desert, living in tents or living under trees, and they have nothing around them. And you're in the most fortified city on the planet, standing on top of a wall that is unscalable, unpenetrable. And she looks at these guys and says, I'm with you. (laughs) What? 
Can you imagine if all of a sudden like one of her friends came and said, what are you talking about? They're living in tents out there. You're in the most fortified city. You got a great house right here. You're safe. What are you talking about? She was fully persuaded, even though her circumstances were contradicting what she believed. And so now you know why the writer of Hebrews tells the first century Christians that are being persecuted, prosecuted, executed. I'll skip the last because it's not true. And, they're, and their businesses are being boycotted and they're, and they're being martyred. All kinds of things are happening. Now you know why he throws Rahab in there because their circumstances were contradicting what they knew about God. But is that not faith? That your circumstances will contradict what is true with God. But she says, I'm with you. I'm fully persuaded. I'm not of your people. I'm, not, I'm in a most fortified city on the planet. You're living out in the desert. You're really not even organized. But I'm with you. Now understand that the odds were not in Rahab's people's... I mean, the, the odds were in her favor. They're not in the favor of God. Any, God's people, any strategist would know that these people, if they try to assault the city, will fail miserably. They were not favored to win the battle except but God. Rahab, what are you thinking? Divine persuasion. She is persuaded beyond the circumstances round about her. Rahab was put in Hebrews by the writer to speak to those who have given up, those who are on the verge of giving up everything because the circumstances were not in favor of what's happening in their current life. She was either going to die or be a foreigner in a new nation. Now, Rahab... <laughs> had to look at her circumstances and yet weigh out the persuasion of God as greater. I imagine the two spies probably went back pretty encouraged. I imagine Rahab. Hey, everybody in the city, their hearts melted when we heard what God did. Can you imagine that? Man, we just came back from the greatest, biggest, baddest city on the planet, but they are scared. They are scared. Well, come on. The odds are really in their favor. I know the odds seem to be in their favor, but they're scared. Fully persuaded. We have to be fully persuaded. Rahab was fully persuaded. She sided with God's people. She left behind fortified walls. Who does that? The writer of Hebrews is telling, even when things look stacked against you, even when it seems there's a huge gap between you and God, be fully persuaded. Don't quit. Don't shrink back. Rahab is fully persuaded in the choice she makes for God costs her everything she had, she had to start over. But she was fully persuaded in losing everything that was of comfort to her. She had to be fully persuaded that God would take care of her. So really what Rahab is facing, she has to understand this. Everybody she knows, the life she knows, the culture she lived, everything that was comfortable and convenient for her would be gone. And she had to start all over with the new people who she was foreign to. I'm in this, but I'm not of this. Does that sound familiar to you and I? I'm in this world now here with God's people, but I'm not of this world. I'm of this world, but now I've been adopted into them. Now you're realizing I cannot practice my job with these people like I did with the other people. I had to get a new career. I had to get new friends. I had to start over. Oh, that we would be so fully persuaded by God that we're willing to give up everything and start over trusting him who is faithful. Amen. And he is enough. She left comfort and convenience behind to live with the people and start over that was completely foreign to her. 
Isn't that not the life of a Christ follower? Isn't that why the writer of Hebrews is encouraging the Christ followers now because they had to give up comfort and convenience and friends and family and start over and trusting God, being fully persuaded that God is greater still. And if I lose everything for him, he'll restore it abundantly above all what I can ask, hope, or think. A new beginning. Some of us need a new beginning. Some of us need a fresh start. But you have to be fully persuaded. Your marriage may need a fresh start, but you need to be fully persuaded. Your family has, needs a fresh start. you got to be willing to leave everything else, the things that you used to do, the things you used to know, the people you used to run with to get a fresh start. But you need to be fully persuaded that God is still God, and he has a plan and purpose for your life. So let me bring this to a close. Rahab, pondering all these things. Still, I'm with you. I'm with God. I am fully persuaded. And do you know that Rahab... The prostitute. Later in the book of Matthew, if you'll read the book of Matthew, chapter one, in the genealogy and lineage of Jesus, Rahab is listed there. I just reread it as I was sitting there this morning. Rahab is listed in the lineage of Jesus. Rahab the Canaanite, Rahab the prostitute is listed in the lineage of Jesus when you leave everything for the sake of being fully persuaded by the God of the universe. You have no idea what he can do with your life, a life of being fully persuaded. And oh, yes, you're going to face trials. Oh, yes, there's going to be circumstances. Oh, yes, things are going to be stacked against you. That's why we need to be fully persuaded that no matter what, I'm going with God. Sometimes, really, the, result, the, the reality is a lot of us, we need a fresh start. Look at Rahab's fresh start. She found a man, married her, despite what her history was. And she was accepted into God's people. And God gave her a purpose and a destiny. And ultimately, she was like the great, great, great grandmother of Jesus. Look what God could do. There's nothing God cannot do. He's just looking for a fully persuaded people in the midst of contradicting circumstances, in the midst of what they're doing, where they're going, if you will just turn to him and say, I'm with you, God, you have no idea what God can do, but you have to be fully persuaded. God is a good and faithful God. Amen? Amen. It's always better to go with God. Amen? We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.